Next week, we are going to start a brand new teaching series, and it's going to be called Upside Down. Everything's going to be weird and different, so if you don't like change, make sure like you like calm yourself before you come in next week, because things will be a little different next week. So uh, that's all I'm going to say. Just make sure you're here on time next week, um, otherwise uh, you'll uh, like miss a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so uh, but that's next week. So today, uh, we're doing a, a one-off talk or one-off teaching, and uh, we're calling it She Matters. So so as it's Mother's Day, I wanted to start off by just talking just a little about my mother. And uh, now in the UK, my mom lives in the UK. It's not Mother's Day in the UK today. That was back in March. So, uh, uh, but I'll still probably call and just say happy American Mother's Day to her today anyway. Uh, but I want to share just a little about my mother. See, my mother is caring like most mothers. She's very creative. Uh, and uh, she, um, she's a workaholic. She works all the time. Uh, she never stops um, at all. She's always doing stuff here and there. And everywhere. Uh, if you ever go around a house, she will feed you way, way too much food. And uh, then she'll try to push even more food down you. Um, I lost like 20 pounds when I left my mother's house uh, because she just feeds you way too much stuff. Um, and she, 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 she's a wonderful person. She's also very naughty as well. I mean, like her, like, yeah, I'm serious. She's like her, her jokes and stuff. It's like, whoa, that's like on the line, mom. It's like, but, uh, but she also loves Jesus as well. Jesus is still working on her naughtiness, but uh, she still loves Jesus. She, uh, uh, but she's a wonderful woman. She is a prayer warrior. And she can pray like nobody else. I mean, when I hear my mom pray, it's just like she is in like heaven with Jesus when she's praying. Um, she, uh, she also uh, uh, is very active while she's on her feet. Um, as soon as she sits down, uh, then suddenly she has this automatic motion where she goes like that. And she'll be there like all night catching flies because she falls asleep. Um, she, I've also seen her fall asleep at the dinner table before as well. And uh, if it's late at night, you ever have her around your house, she'll probably be very rude and fall asleep because uh, she's like working all day and then she just like sleeps all the time. But like I said, she's a, she's a prayer warrior and uh, she loves Jesus a lot. But also, there's something about my mom I want to share with you this morning. Is not only she is a prayer warrior, but I believe she's also a wounded warrior. A wounded warrior. And what I mean by wounded warrior, she didn't go off to Afghanistan and fight in the, you know, in, in a war or something like that. But but spiritually, she's a wounded warrior because my mother loves Jesus, but there's a problem with my mother. She's almost 70 years old and she is fearful of church. She was a pastor's wife for 40 years. She went to church every single week. And actually, she went to church three times a week because we had uh, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Monday night, and Wednesday night services. And my mother was always there. Uh, and she was a wonderful pastor's wife. Like I said, she prayed like crazy. She cared for people. And uh, she could interpret scripture very well. Uh, she was very creative, very organized. But she was not your typical pastor's wife. Uh, and when uh, she was a pastor's wife in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and then the early 2000s, there was a stigma that went with pastor's wives. And there was a, a mold that people wanted a pastor's wife to be. 
And they wanted the pastor's wife to, 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 to be this person who, who just gathered all the women, was this leader who, who, who would, uh, uh, would, would organize these amazing events and have tea with all the ladies and become BFFs with all the ladies. And that was kind of what they wanted as a pastor's wife. And so the church my dad was at, they wanted this. But the problem was my mom wasn't that. See, my mom is actually uh, very introverted. And even though she does very well in social circles, she has to withdraw herself to gain her energy. And she likes her alone time. In fact, my mom is not a stand up the front kind of person and tell everyone, come on, let's go do this. My mom is a kind of in the background kind of person and wants to serve. Instead of organizing women events, she would rather come early on a Sunday morning and get the communion ready for Sunday and maybe straighten the chairs when nobody else is around. For my mom is a very much of a servant kind of person. And this is what happens in our church and, the ch- and, and what I'd seen through the years, the reason she became a wounded warrior because so often people would start to point fingers and complain about my mom because my mom wasn't the typical pastor's wife. And my mom wasn't as friendly at times as what they wanted her to be, even though she was a very friendly person. They started pointing fingers and sometimes even talking behind her back, sometimes even going to my dad and complaining about my mom. And there was a couple of times when my dad got home was like, Joyce, what did you say? What did you do? And she became a little wounded. In the place that she could have found refuge and she should have been who all God designed her to be, she actually got beat up. And it's made my mom a little fearful of church. You'll see my mom in, uh, in, in about a month. She'll be coming and like I said, she loves Jesus. And she'll be here and she'll worship Jesus. But she's fearful of getting close in church again. This past year, the number one hashtag, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe on Twitter and on Facebook and even on Instagram was this. Hashtag me too, right? Hashtag me too. You hear about me too everywhere. And, uh, and I love how the celebrities just get on the bandwagon and they just do everything, you know, to, to, to you know, at the, at the festivals and all this sort of stuff and the award shows. But me too. And there's part of me too that makes me want to just celebrate. And the reason I want to celebrate is because women are finding their voice. And women who, who have been suppressed and have been through so much are now able to release what, what is going on and what has been going on in their lives. And women are finding their voice and we should always celebrate whenever women find their voice. But then part of me also is a little sad with me too as well because what's happening or what has happened is if you are a woman with a me too moment, then you get to be celebrated. But if you're a woman without a Me Too moments, then you've been pushed down a little. It's like you're not as worthy as the people with the Me Too moments. And then also as a guy, I've had lots of conversations over the last year with guys, and a lot of guys are fearful of Me Too now. Because a lot of guys are fearful of actually talking to a woman and even paying a compliment to a woman because they're like, well, what if I get a Me Too moment against me? And so there's good things and there's bad things. And so you may be asking, Alex, it's Mother's Day. Why are you talking about your mother's church scars? Or why are you talking about the Me Too moment on Mother's Day? This is the day that we should be talking about how wonderful women are and how wonderful mothers are. And they smell like flowers and they cook wonderful mac and cheese, right? 
But this is why I want to talk about my mother's church scars and why I've even mentioned the Me Too moment, because my mother is not defined by her church scars. There's more to my mother than her scars from what happened at 40 years of being a pastor's wife. There's more to a woman than her Me Too moments. She matters more than her Me Too moments. Her Me Too moment does not define her. There is more worth to her than her Me Too moments. And so today, what I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to five types of people in this room today. And the first person I want to talk to today, uh, and I believe that this message is for, is for the working mom. The mom who has a job, a nine-to-five job, a job where you actually get paid, you know, that kind of job. I also want to talk to the stay-at-home mom as well. The one who has a job, but you just don't get paid for that job. The stay-at-home mom. I want to talk to the woman who is not a mom as well. I also want to talk to, and I believe that this message is for those who are the empty nest mom as well. And then the final group of people I want to talk to are the guys as well. It's the rest of us in the room. Then this message is for you. So we're going to go through a story in the Bible this morning. It's found in John chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to John chapter 12. And there's five characters in this story that we're going to look at. And the five characters are this. There is a servant in this story. There is a consumer in this story. There is a complainer in this story. There is a king in this story. And then there is a misunderstood person in this story. So let's open our Bibles to John chapter 12. And uh, we're going to read the first eight verses. And this is what it says. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man who had been raised from the dead. Let me just let you know about Bethany. Bethany is, was like a suburb of Jerusalem. When Passover, this Passover celebration came, Jerusalem became this huge uh, place where everybody just gathered and there were crowds everywhere and it was hard, hard to find lodging in Jerusalem. So people would come outside to the towns outside of Jerusalem where you could just easily commute into Jerusalem and Bethany was one of these places. Now Lazarus, if you remember Lazarus, Lazarus was the guy who died and then three days later Jesus comes to his tomb and he goes, Lazarus come forth and then Lazarus comes out of the tomb like a mummy and everyone's amazed because Jesus has raised him from the dead. So this is in Bethany at Lazarus's home. Then verse 3 it says this, a dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, whatever nard is, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of nard. Can you imagine going to the grocery store? I want the air freshener nard, right? Then it says this, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. That's the guy you don't want as the church treasurer, just to let you know. Verse 7, Jesus replied, leave her alone. 
She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So just to debrief this story, Jesus comes to the home of Lazarus. There's a a meal in his honor. And during the meal, there's this lady called Mary who comes out. She brings out this expensive jar of perfume. She breaks it open. She pours it on Jesus' feet. And then she gets her long hair and she starts wiping Jesus' feet. Kind of weird, kind of creepy. Would make me want to run out the house because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to be part of one of these parties. But anyway... So that's what goes on. So this story has become a famous story in Christian circles. There's even songs that have been written about this story. If you ever go to a women's conference, you'll always find that somebody is talking about this story, the empowerment of Mary. And the majority of people, they focus on a lady called Mary who got this perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet. Because she is the main character except for Jesus in this story. And the writer here, John, focuses on Mary. But there's a couple of other things that I want want us to notice about this story before we get into just the different people of this story. Firstly, notice this. That the men sat while the women worked. Just let that one ponder just for a moment. A couple of things of note. When Jews ate, they sat down and ate just like us right we sit unless you like you're going from one thing to another then you go through the drive through and you're trying to eat it while you're driving but we sit when we eat when you had a guest of honor you did away with the table and the chairs and you got the lazy boy out and you reclined you you, you got some cushions out and everybody sat on the cushions and just reclined back So it's totally like opposite to what we do, right? Because when we have a guest of honor come, this is what happens. We clean the house. We we, we get the tablecloth out. The best china comes out that we haven't used. We have to wash it because we haven't used it for three years. But we, we, we pull out the best china and people come and sit at the table. But when our friends come over, we just say, yeah, just go sit on the couch. You know, go reclining the lazy boy and, you know, and we just eat pizza together. So that's what we do in our culture. In Jewish culture at the time, it was opposite. So they reclined when the guest of honor came. Normally, they would just sit at the table. Secondly, the second thing I see from this story is this. Is that Judas, Judas Iscariot, who would soon betray Jesus in a couple of days, was the one who carried the money. It was not normal for a rabbi to deal with his own money. In fact, what a rabbi would do is they would very often instruct one of their most trusted followers to take care of the money matters. Which makes Judas's betrayal of Jesus even more shocking and appalling because he was seen as one of Jesus's most trusted followers. Thirdly, we see from this story Married women never exposed their hair to a man who was not their husband. They would cover their hair. So, ladies, you were all breaking Jewish custom this morning. So this tells us two things. One thing, Mary has been inappropriate of showing her hair to Jesus. Or two, she was not married, which means she could show her hair. But even if she was married 
than for an unmarried Jewish woman to touch a rabbi's feet and then struggle with her hair was also inappropriate. So Mary is being inappropriate in this moment. Fourthly, this is what we also see. And this is taken from, we've just read John's version of this story. Mark also has a version of the story. And in Mark's version of the story, Jesus says that when I came into the house, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with oil. See, what Jesus was saying when he went into the house, that when you went into a house of a Jewish person, they would come and they would anoint your head with oil as a blessing on you as you came into their house. And this did not happen in this moment. But then this woman, Mary, comes and she anoints Jesus' feet with oil. The fact that no one anointed Jesus' head shows that even though they were trying to throw a party in his honor, they were not giving him all the honor. And then the last thing I just see from this story, Jesus said this, says, because Judas says, we could have given this money to the poor. We could have used this, sold it, got money and given it and fed the poor. And Jesus says, you will always have the poor amongst us, but you will not always have me. And it shows me that when we bring worship to Jesus, that is the highest act that we can do as human beings. That even though it is important to care for the poor and those in need, there is nothing in this world that is more important than bringing worship to Jesus. And so it is important that we do outreaches and different things. But the most important thing as Christians we do is worship Jesus. Okay. So that's just some background from the story. So this is what I want to do this morning very quickly. I want to go through each player in this story, and I want us to take a look at it. And the first one we see is Martha. Martha. The Bible says Martha served. Martha served. Going back a, a, a few chapters in the Bible, we'll see that there was Lazarus who had died. And Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And when Jesus came to raise Lazarus from the dead, there was Martha who was crying and was, was, was coming up to Jesus. And Martha didn't even come up to Jesus. And there was a complaint against Martha because Martha was working and Martha was taking care of all the little things. And Mary was like, how can Martha be just taking care of all that when our brother has died? They, they didn't like Martha in the way that Martha works. And Martha gets a bad rap amongst a lot of women because she's a worker. She cares about the little things that often people don't even care about. Martha is the type of woman who is neat and tidy. She likes things in order. She's a little OCD. She likes things with excellence, and she often expects everybody else to have that excellence. And while Mary gets the plaudits often in the Bible and the attention, Martha is often looked down upon and laughed at. And this is often, I believe, why the case. It's often because people feel a little less worthy about themselves when they're around the Marthas of this world. Because it's very hard to reach the level of what Martha produces in life. So often, it is easier to focus and associate ourselves with people who don't seem to have it all together than be around the people who seem to have it all together. 
And that's the problem with the Marthas of this world. They give off this, this view of life that we have it all together. We can take care of it. We can take care of, we, we, we can serve in the background. We can do this and that and we have it all together. But this is what I know. Marthas don't really have it all together. It's just their personality. And this is what I know. Without the Marthas of this world, we would be in chaos. There would have been no one to serve the food because Mary wasn't about serving food. Mary had this extravagant show that she did for Jesus, but Martha served. Without the Marthas of this world, this world will be in chaos. And we should honor the Marthas of this world instead of knock them down. And this is what I know. And why I know this, because I married a Martha. Now, her name's Raquel. It's not really Martha. I don't have two wives. But I married a Martha. And let me tell you, Marthas are amazing. They also drive you crazy. Because they're so detail-oriented. Because everything has to be in order. Because everything has to be of excellence. And and, and they do this and that. and, And like half the time you're like, why are you even doing that? It doesn't even matter. And they're like, yes, but it matters to me. And... They always say that guys, that women marry like men like their, their dads and guys marry women like their wives. So I married someone who looks nothing like my mother. I was like, I'm not that guy. But the more I married to my wife, I'm like realizing, oh my word, this woman is my mother. Because my mother is a Martha. She's this servant, this person who's always busy doing this and that and serving and, and, and everything neat and tidy and everything here and there, everything's got its place. We should honor the Marthas of this world because while Mary gets the plaudits because Mary worshipped Jesus, let's remember Martha served Jesus. And serving Jesus is just as important as worshiping. In fact, it's an act of worship unto Jesus. See, Martha matters. And if you're a Martha type person here today, you matter. You have worth. And instead of maybe a hashtag, you know, me too, let's do hashtag Martha matters. Right? Martha matters. And if you are that kind of person, you maybe you're in the background, maybe you're serving here and there and, and no one really sees or you get on people's nerves because you want things exactly how they are in order, you matter. You have worth. The second person in the story that we see is a guy called Lazarus. Now, the men in this room get a little bad rap as well. And some of it for good reason. Lazarus is more of a consumer. He's the guy who's lounging there with Jesus. He's reclining with Jesus, and he's not helping at all. And so, firstly, this is a lesson to me. It's like sometimes we need to get up and we need to help the servants of this world. We can't just recline and let everyone else serve us. And this is what I'm thankful at Generation Church. I'm thankful that the majority of guys here at Generation Church, that we, we are equal in how we serve. Like the guys and the girls serve together. A lot of churches, it's just a lot of the women who serve and the guys that don't. And that's what I love about Generation Church, that, we, we, that all the guys are serving as well as, as the women. But while many people focus on the act of worship when Jesus pours out the, the perfume upon Jesus, they tend to forget that it was Lazarus's house and Lazarus was the host of Jesus. That Lazarus, in this moment, he was also bringing honor to Jesus. As Lazarus reclined, we start to understand that this party was in honor of Jesus of Nazareth. 
See, not everyone is full of emotion like Mary. Not everyone does these grand gestures like Mary. Sometimes it's just a simple mark of respect to Jesus. Now, I come from a Pentecostal background in church, and I've had to learn that not everybody is wacko in worship, right? Not everyone is extravagant in worship. Some people are very reserved. But it doesn't mean that their worship is any different. Because some people, their natural posture is more reserved. And sometimes being the one who creates space for others to thrive does a more worthy act than those who come into the limelight. And that's exactly what Lazarus did. Lazarus the one who created the space for their Mary to do this act of worship. Without Lazarus, she wouldn't have done it. And some of you, 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 you're not this person who is extravagant at the front and like doing all this crazy stuff and everyone sees you, but you are more reserved. But you have it within you to create space for others. Maybe you're a type of person who's more in the background. And if that's you, you matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. I've always said, and people sometimes don't believe me, but on a Sunday morning, I'm one of the most invaluable people here at Generation Church. Just because I get to stand up here and teach, if it wasn't for all the other people who make Generation Church happen in the background, creating space for this, then this would be useless. If you're a person who's in the background and serving, you matter. You matter to God. Then let's take a look at Judas. Judas. Judas is the one. Judas Iscariot, who's the one who started to complain. He was the complainer and says, what is this woman doing? That, that perfume could have been sold to the poor. He's the only character in the Bible that we've got nothing good to say about. He's a complainer. He's selfish. He's dishonorable. And he's really self-righteous. Notice what he says. He said, we could have sold that money and used it to the poor. While he thought no one was looking and he was taking the money and putting it in his back pocket. It's very self-righteous. He had no desire to give it to the poor. He really wanted just to keep it for himself. And he's a guy, but I see as, me, as many women as I do guys sometimes being Judas-like people. See, this is what I know. When you judge people for the things that you do not understand, you are causing them harm and you're also offending God as well. And we have to be careful that we are not ignorant of people when they do something different to us. Now in church, I've had to learn this because we're a non-denominational church, so we're, we're very eclectic. We, we have people from all different backgrounds. And so when people do things, I'm just like, what are you doing? You don't do that in church. I've had to start to understand. I can't look down on people because they do that. It's another expression of worship for them. And this is what I know. When you look down your nose at another, you are causing your focus to deflect from looking at Jesus. And so we have to be very careful that we don't become like Judas-like. When someone does something and we're like, why are they doing that? That doesn't even make sense. What, what a waste. We have to be careful that we don't look down our nose on people. Because then we become like Ju Judas. Oh, none of us want to become like Judas, right? That was the Judas of the story. And then finally there was Mary. 
Mary. What she did that day when she went and got this expensive jar of perfume, she broke it, she poured it on Jesus' feet and started wiping it with her hair. It was strange, yeah. It was weird. It was a little too charismatic for my liking, I think, sometimes. You know, and if you want to do this in church, then whatever. But what she did was not only brave, it was inspired. Her act of worship is one of the most pure outpourings of love and honor that humankind has ever given to the King of Heaven. The perfume that Mary used, the Bible says it was 12 ounces, 12 ounces. Think about this, the perfume. So think of the nicest perfume that you like, or guys, cologne, what the nicest cologne that you get. 12 ounces, that's kind of a lot for, for perfume. But then Judah says that was enough for one year's wages, about 300 denarii. People, the average wage at the time was about one denarii a day. So I don't know what the average wage is right now here in in Maryland. Maybe what, like 50 grand a year, something like that. So think that, that perfume was worth that much. I mean, there's no way that you're breaking it open and you're pouring it on a guy's feet, right? I mean, that's a lot of money. But by Mary anointing Jesus... This is what she was doing. Remember, when you go into someone's house, you got your head anointed with oil. And nobody anointed Jesus' head that day. And Mary was anointing the feet. And this is what Jesus was saying, that Jesus' feet are higher and more honorable than everybody else's head. The lowest point of Jesus is more honorable than the highest points of everybody else. That is true worship. That is what worship is all about. You are bringing your worth, 50 grand of perfume, that's a lot of worth. You are bringing your worth to Jesus and saying you are more important than everything else. Yes, the gesture was lavish. I wonder how we would react today if somebody came and did something like that. It was unique, it was shocking, but it was from the heart. And Jesus sees the heart. And there are Marys amongst us today. You may not be like Martha. You may be the opposite of Martha. You may not like the details. You may not like to to, to just be busy all the time, serving here and there. But you have a heart for Jesus. And maybe you might find it hard to fit in. And maybe some of the things that you do, people look down at you because of what you do but you're a Mary. Maybe you're a little misunderstood. Maybe you're just plain weird. I don't know. But you're a Mary. And God sees the hearts. And you matter to God. And if you matter to God, you matter to us. See, this world has tried to pigeonhole people. People who are Mary, they try to pigeonhole them to be Martha. Or people who are Martha, they try to pigeonhole them to be Mary. Or to be still and reserved like Lazarus. Or maybe this world has wrongly influenced you. You've got friends who have wrongly influenced you to become more like Judas. But deep down, you have a heart for God. 
and you may be a Mary. And if you are a Mary, then I want to say to you today, you can tweet it, hashtag Mary Matters. Hashtag Mary Matters. So let me ask you today, who are you in this story? Are you Martha? Are you Lazarus? Are you Judas? You're not Jesus, just to let you know. (laughs) Or are you Mary? If you are Mary, you matter. If you are Martha, you matter. If you are Lazarus, you are Martha. Matter. If you're Judas, you need to change. So I said at the beginning of this story that this message is for those who are working moms and those who are stay-at-home moms and those who are not a mom and those who are empty nest moms and those who are guys. And so this is what I want to say to you. No matter what stage of life you are and where you are, you matter. And there are times that other people will look down on you because of who you are and what you do. But as long as your heart is right, God sees you and he doesn't look down at you. He, he looks at you in honor and, he, and, and the things that you do for him are honorable. So I want to say to the guys this morning, don't let view, the views of generation pasts cloud your view of women. Because this is what I know, generations past, and not everybody, but it was the consensus many generations ago that women were less than men. And that is not true. You have to read through the whole Bible and you read through the whole Bible and you realize that God says women are a partner with men. There's equal submission. They are partners. There wasn't Adam over Eve. It was Adam and Eve. And guys, it wasn't Eve who just ate the apple. Adam ate it as well. I want to say to the working mom, I want to encourage you. The sacrifices you make for your children and your family, they are worth it. What you are doing to provide for your children is worth it. And I know at times, sometimes it's hard when you look on social media and you see some of the stay-at-home moms at the zoo or at the aquarium and, you know, or, 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 or some play date with all the other kids and you feel that you're missing out. But let me tell you, this is what I know when you make a sacrifice For the good of others, you never lose out. I've discovered in my life, sacrifice always ends with you gaining. And while you are working, I want to encourage you today. God is watching your children. Never let somebody look at you in a bad way because you've made the decision to go to work. Let me say to the stay-at-home moms, I salute you. Because you do something I would never want to do in my life. You don't have a job. You have a calling. It is more than a full-time job. Trust me, I will work three jobs before I do what you do. Because it's tough, it's hard, it's 24-7, it never stops. And what you are doing for your children, you are helping to shape and mold your children. And that is a gift that you have. And it is a blessing. Not everybody could do that. But I also want to challenge you that, that it is a calling. And in that calling, you are to shape your children to be more Christ-like. Not be consumers who your children control. I'll be very careful in how I say that. 
But so often, because I have a stay-at-home mom in my house, and sometimes the child can be very controlling of the mother, but remember, the mother is there to help shape the child to become Christ-like. I want to say to the woman who is not a mom, your value is in who God calls you, not what others think that you should be. To the single lady, everyone thinks you should be married. That's not necessarily the case. It is honorable to be single. In fact, the Bible tells us it's more honorable for single people than often married people. It's the married people who can control themselves who got married. But if you're single and celibate, that is an honorable calling. Let me say to the the married woman who doesn't have a child, you are not defined by not having a child. That does not define you. Let the actions of Mary be an encouragement to you. For it's when you bring your worth to Christ, that is all that matters. And this is what I know. If you do not have children, God can take you on an adventure that those working moms and those stay-at-home moms could never go on. And it's an amazing adventure. Let me say finally to to the empty nest moms. You have more value now than you've ever had before. There's a bunch of young women who need your help, who need your advice, and need your guidance. Are you up for the calling if you're an empty nest mom to help those come along? See, the story of Jesus at Bethany is not a story of one woman pouring expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. It's an example of the family of God. There's different people, different personalities, different characteristics, different people with different callings, different roles. People who bring different things to the table. And if the people who had pointed fingers at my mother all those years ago had understood John chapter 12, they would have understood that my mother wasn't the typical pastor's wife, but she was an amazing pastor's wife. And I wonder where my mother would be now. I wonder if instead of being fearful of church, she would have been this huge champion of church. See, you matter to God. And you have value in his kingdom. Don't shy away from who you are. Just make sure that what you do is all for the Lord. And then like Mary, you will inspire people from all over the world, from generation to generation, with how you bring worth to King Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I pray on this Mother's Day, my hope is this, is that you will understand that you have worth in the kingdom of heaven. That you matter to God. And what you do, some people may not understand. Some people may even look down their nose at it. But what you do, you do out of love. And when you do it out of love and you dedicate it to the Lord, it is an act of worship unto God. And so today, I pray that you will be encouraged by the story of Jesus at the feast at Bethany. If you are a Martha today, you are an amazing person. And we could not cope without you. We need you. If you are a Lazarus today, keep creating spaces for others. Creating spaces for Jesus. If you are a Martha today, never let anybody 
turn their nose up and stop you from worshiping Jesus in the way that God has created you to worship Him. And so I'm going to pray, and as I pray today, I'm going to pray for you and pray that you will start to understand your worth in Him. You'll understand it's who God calls you to be that is all that matters. And so, Father God, today we thank you. We thank you, God, that you made us as individuals, each with unique personalities, each with unique gifts. We thank you for the gift of a mother. We thank you, God, for what mothers bring to us. Just the love and the nurturing, the care that they give, the guidance that they give. But God, we also thank you for the Marthas in this room today. We thank you, God, that they serve and they, they, they keep things in order and they, they keep things going over and ticking over. And we thank you, God, that without them, we know things would be in chaos. And so we thank you, God, for the Marthas in this room. We thank you, God, for the Lazaruses in this room. We thank you for those, God, who may not be out front, but God, they're creating space for others. They're creating ways that others can worship you and experience you. God, we thank you for the Marthas in this, and the Marys in this room, God. And we pray that we will never be people who will quash their expression of worship unto you. But God, let it be a lesson to us that real worship is when we put you above everything else and we bring our worth unto you. So Father God, today we pray that if there's any Judas-like characteristics in our lives, if we ever stop looking down our nose at people, start complaining, if we ever become self-righteous, God, that you will reveal that to us and you'll remove that from us, God, that we can be all who we naturally should be in your sight. Father, we thank you that you call us by name. We thank you, God, that you prepare a place for us. We thank you that you've called us into the family of God. We thank you that you look on us and you don't look on us in disgust, but God, you look on us with grace and mercy and love. God, and we thank you today that we have a place by your side because of the grace that you've shown us. So Father God, today we pray on this Mother's Day that we will be encouraged and we will be blessed, whether we're a stay-at-home mom or a working mom, whether we're, 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 we're a woman who is not a mom or we're an empty nest mom or we're just a guy. Father, we pray today that you will bless us and encourage us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.